0: everyone welcome back I am excited to be uh, talking again with another student of mine who has done such amazing uh, work here pulling some resources together for us about teens and anxiety and you know as I was thinking about the last few episodes that I've shared it's like I think there's a theme here that I am getting a lot of feedback from parents that our kids are anxious, our preschoolers are anxious, and now um, we're going to share some information about how to help our kids and teens as they are showing some signs of anxiety. So today I have with me Miss Julia. So Julia, can you introduce yourself to everyone and tell us something fun about you?
1: Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Julia McCullough. And I am one of Dr. Tramiel's students. I guess one fun thing about me is that I am getting ready to graduate with my bachelor's degree in psychology. So I think that's super fun.
0: <laughs> that's definitely fun. I mean, it has been, you know, something that you have worked really hard for. And it's really fun to, to be able to say, I'm going to graduate and we're going to have graduation in person. Yes. Yay, we get to like actually put on a cap and gown and walk across (laughs) the stage. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. okay, okay, Julia. So we've been talking a lot about anxiety and we've been talking about different, you know, kind of reactions that we might see from our kids, different things to kind of look out for. And as you and I have been working on putting this week's materials together, we thought it was important to remind everyone Just a little bit about anxiety in general. So tell us a little bit more about anxiety in general and how we kind of respond, how our brain responds, how our body responds, because I think it's really helpful just as a reminder.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to remember that anxiety is a normal response. Everybody experiences it. And just because someone's experiencing it does not mean that they have a disorder. So anxiety can be normal, but it can also become abnormal or in other words, it can be functional, but it can become dysfunctional. And anxiety kind of stems from our natural fight or flight response, which is um, a response that we have when we experience some sort of stressor and our body kind of gets ready, our heart increases, we just were getting pumped up to fight or flight from that stressor. And those are the feelings of anxiety. And it kind of becomes problematic when you're not able to recover from those feelings, or when it impairs your ability to function in everyday life.
0: Yeah, I think it's so good that we just remember this natural reaction that we have to things that we perceive as threats in our world, right? That's basically what we're saying is, we perceive a threat whether it's real or imagined, we perceive a threat. And then our body goes into, we actually have a, a physiological reaction. Our bodies, our brains, we go into this, I've got to prepare myself for either attacking this threat, either verbally, physically, whatever it might be, or I'm going to run away and I'm going to hide, or I'm going to sort of freeze here. Sometimes we we add freeze into this mix of anxiety reactions. But I think it's, I think it's a really good reminder that that is honestly, from an evolutionary perspective, this is how we have survived as, you know, a species really, you know, when, when we were living out in the world and bears would come, our bodies had to react to that. Now we don't have, uh, most of us don't have that kind of innate fear all of the time for survival, but, but some of us perceive that same level of fight or flight. And I love this idea of recovery, that much of the much of the process of understanding and um, helping others understand their anxiety happens in this recovery phase, because it's hard to help people when they're in the height of the anxious uh, reaction. But when they're in recovery, we're trying to, to figure out how can we help them recover in a more effective way. And I love this stat that you have for the parents here, that one in three teens have an anxiety disorder, right? So we're talking like they meet criteria for some anxiety disorder by some medical or mental health professional. And so that really does talk to the prevalence of anxiety disorders. But we also know that that means lots and lots and lots of our teens are experiencing anxiety just in general. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit, what does that look like and when might it become problematic? How do we know when it's like, yeah, this is beyond just normal teen stuff, normal anxiety stuff, to now it's kind of a problem?
1: Yeah. Um, the different signs of anxiety can actually be seen in as in like a biological or physiological way, and then also a psychological way or a social way. So all of those different factors kind of interact and can show themselves as an anxiety disorder. So some physiological signs that we may see are complaints of unpleasant physical symptoms like a stomach ache or a headache, just constantly complaining about those physical symptoms. That could be a sign physiologically that they could be experiencing a lot of anxiety. Some psychological signs could be if they're expressing some recurrent fears or worries that they have just over and over again. And then also if you, if you see changes in their behavior or especially if you see that they're taking part in more risky behaviors, if you see that their grades are dropping or they're having difficulty concentrating, that could be a sign. And then also if they're experiencing difficulty sleeping, falling asleep or staying asleep, those can be some signs. And then some social signs are avoidance of activities. That we could see. We talk a lot about that in depression. If people are avoiding activities, they could be depressed. That could also be a sign of anxiety as well.
0: Yeah, I love all of these and they're they're all good reminders for us as parents to just kind of be on the lookout if you know we're seeing some shift in our child's behavior that is different than what we usually experience them then it kind of heightens our our awareness of maybe there's something else going on. I hear a lot from teens about tension headaches, right? So they might complain about headaches more often or the sleep problems that you're talking about. I think we see a lot of that belly aches, not wanting to go to school, withdrawing more than what is typical for our teens. I think all of those are just great reminders and when we see a a drop in their grades or their level of kind of keeping their life together, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I know for me, when my anxiety is high, I find that I like, can't get my life together, you know? And so I think school, or maybe if they have a job, uh, when they can't kind of keep that part of their life together, it may be a sign for us to say, okay, we might need to do something else. And so, One of the something else is maybe talking to the pediatrician and uh, seeking help, which we're going to talk about here at the very end. But in the meantime, there are some things that we can gently encourage or even strongly encourage our teenagers to do. And maybe we do it alongside them, but holding them accountable to maybe working through some specific coping mechanisms. What are some, some good ways that teens can, yeah, just trying to manage their anxiety or their stress. I mean, we're calling this anxiety. And I think a close cousin to anxiety is stress that happens for lots of teenagers, especially our, our upper level teens where they're mm-hmm. thinking about college or what am I going to do after high school? Or, you know, am I meeting the expectations of the people around me? So I often sort of talk through the differences between stress and anxiety, that stress is a part of, of all of our lives, and anxiety is too, but stress is more, these are things I have to get done, and I feel this pressure within me to get them done. And anxiety might be a little bit more related to kind of thoughts or feelings that I have about myself and my ability to do those things. And so, our teens are going to be experiencing both stress and anxiety, and the coping strategies are going to be similar. But it is important for us to realize that some of our teens may be really stressed, but not as anxious. Some of our teens may be really anxious and not as stressed, or maybe they might have both, which is going to be kind of a double whammy. But we'll talk a little bit more about that too. But give us some coping strategies, Julia. Yes,
1: I think one really good coping strategy is just keeping a fairly consistent everyday routine. If you can keep a schedule pretty consistent, I think that can be comforting to a lot of people and um, help with anxiety. I'm recommending that they get enough sleep, going to bed at the same time every night and waking up at the same time every morning. That helps with that consistency. And it also helps them to get the number of hours of sleep that they need. And then also another thing, a lot of teenagers are drinking a lot of caffeine or consuming a lot of caffeine through pop or energy drinks, or um, a lot of teenagers are starting to drink coffee now. And that can have an effect on anxiety and actually make anxiety symptoms worse because caffeine is a stimulant. So it has some of the same physiological effects that the fight or flight response has, and it can just kind of precipitate those anxiety, feelings of anxiety and symptoms. So just limiting caffeine consumption throughout every day can really help.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because we don't probably think as much about caffeine as adults, right? Most of us have our cup of coffee. We have our diet Coke in the morning or whatever, but it Mm -hmm. really is important for our teens to, to pay attention to how much caffeine they're drinking and at what point in the day they're drinking the caffeine because it can disrupt their sleep cycle. And then we have this whole like negative downward spiral of I'm not getting enough sleep. My anxiety is getting worse because I'm tired and I'm irritable. And then we have this whole, you know, yeah, downward spiral. Right. And so paying attention to caffeine and trying to limit caffeine consumption to being, you know, one cup of coffee a day, one, one Mountain Dew in the morning and try to not have them be in the afternoon or evening so that it doesn't disrupt sleep could be, a could be a simple strategy. I know, I know it may not seem as simple. I giving up my coffee in the morning or my, you know, my mid morning coffee sounds horrible. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But I think the other thing to consider for our parents here is who screen time. Okay. So the the good and the bad about the research on screen time is that we have a lot of mixed messages. Honestly, we have some pretty convincing research that uh, certain teens are going to have a lot more mental health issues with increased social media consumption, increased screen time. We have some research that's saying that, you know, it's more about the quality of their screen time than the quantity of their screen time. And so if they're using it to connect with friends and they feel more connected to friends by Using some sort of video chatting or something like that, then there may be some benefits to screen time. The truth of the matter is each of our kids is going to need something different than there's there's no one size fits all here. What I know uh, from the teens that I've worked with and the parents that I know is that we have to keep an eye on how much time they're spending on screens because for many of our kids, it does increase their level of irritability, their level of disconnect from what's happening in the world around them. And so they are missing the cues, the social cues around them. And again, the connection between sleep and screen time, we know there's more consistency in the research that increased hours on screen time mean decreased quality hours of sleep. And um, I wrote down insufficient sleep is connected to increased screen time for our teens and really for all of us. But that word insufficient sleep, right, Julia? I mean, as I think about how do I feel when I wake up and I feel like I've gotten insufficient sleep? Basically, I haven't slept enough, right? I start the day feeling tired. Mm -hmm. I am in the middle of the day Feeling tired. And I'm at the end of the day feeling tired, saying to myself in my mind, I just didn't sleep well last night. Mm -hmm. I didn't get enough sleep last night. And so, how does that impact our teens when they aren't getting sufficient sleep? I can't really spend enough time here, you and I together, emphasizing Mm -hmm. the importance of sleep on our teens' anxiety and the importance of monitoring their level of screen time and all of the other things, right? We talk about breathing techniques and mindfulness, and we've been talking about that on other episodes of the podcast, and we don't want to discount that as well. So as we think as parents, okay, I know my kid's kind of struggling. It feels like, man, it's beyond what is normal. It's been going on for a few weeks now. I'm starting to get a little bit nervous. What do we think they should do?
1: Yeah, I think if you just encourage their everyday routine, keeping things consistent, and then also encourage them to spend time with others, which can be, uh, be kind of a positive distraction and also offer them social support, encourage them to participate in enjoyable activities, because that's also a positive distraction, and it can be comforting, encourage open communication with them, maybe not bombarding them with questions about being anxious, but um, just Letting them know that you're available to talk to them and to listen to them—that's listening—is super important. And then also be mindful of what you expect of them because they—they they really are busy. They have a lot of stresses. They're—they have school, they have sports, they have other activities. And asking them to do all of these things at home may may make their anxiety worse. So just be mindful of what they have going on in their lives and how much they can handle. And then, like Dr. Chamel said, um, breathing exercises. And then if the anxiety persists or if it's super severe, reach out to your teenager's pediatrician, reach out to a mental health counselor or therapist to get extra help.
0: I love all those suggestions and I appreciate especially the suggestion about monitoring our expectations of them. I think we sometimes forget what it's like to be a teenager with a lot of social pressure, a lot of academic pressure a lot of kind of psychological pressure that we put on ourselves to do the right thing and be good. And maybe even be perfect. Even though we as parents are telling our teenager, you don't have to be perfect. The messages they're getting in so many other ways may be different from that. And so sometimes it really is evaluating what I'm saying to them and even asking them, you know, what do you think my expectations are of you in terms of your grades? What do you think my expectations are of you doing chores around the house? What's my expectation? Sometimes it's really enlightening to to hear the voice of your teen by asking them what they believe Mm -hmm. your messages have been. And I'd encourage kind of a an ongoing check-in a couple times a year, just continue to check in with your teen about those things. And to your point, our goal is to keep them talking, keep them feeling like their voice matters to us and that we're listening to them. Because without that, they are going to continue to feel more and more isolated.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: I love that that is part of our suggestions. And obviously reaching out to the school counselor or the pediatrician or to see a mental health counselor if we feel like things aren't really getting better and I, I am really worried mm-hmm. about my teenager. And of course, if they are mentioning anything related to self-harm or suicide, we need to act pretty immediately in reaching out to either the pediatrician or a mental health professional. Julie, I appreciate all of the, all of the thoughts you have here for our parents and for our listeners, because I really do think that we have a lot of teens who are experiencing a lot of stress and anxiety. And I think a lot of these tips can be really helpful for our parents. So thank you for the work you put in and for, for being here with us and sharing, sharing what you've learned.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. So if you want to hear more, um, check out some of the other episodes related to anxiety. Even if you have a kid who isn't in that age range, um, a lot of the tips that we share, although we are aiming toward that age group, may apply to a lot of the other kids that you have living in your house or visiting your house. I have a lot of my kids kids' friends who come over that I feel like they're around and I'm going to share what I know with them too, even though they're not my own kids. So feel free to follow along, makewordsmatterforgood.com or on Facebook, MWM with kids. Thanks for listening as always. And if you have any thoughts, questions, or feedback, please reach out. And until we see you next time, stay well, stay safe. Bye everyone.